Victory starts in our mind. When your vision is limited, your life will be limited. It's amazing what happens when you enlarge your vision, when you believe big, when you pray bold prayers, when you dream great dreams. But too often, because of disappointments, delays, things that haven't worked out, we've watered down our dreams. We've lowered our expectations. We're not stretching, believing for great things, believing to get well. Are you putting limits on what God wants to do in your life? Are you focused on what you think can happen only in your ability? Your existence is constantly an engagement with the universe, but your mind becomes against the universe. If you create a psychological condition that you're against or you're in competition with the universe or the cosmos, obviously you will feel crushed for small things. Your default mode is to say, I'm an imposter, I'm a loser, I'm not likable, nobody likes me, I'm not lovable. It has become part of your default mode network. And it's super important for you to realize that just like I could go from being a right-hander and teach myself how to be a left-hander, it is the exact same process for you to go from somebody who defaults to thinking negative garbage to becoming somebody who thinks directly. And just like learning to go from writing with your right hand to teaching yourself to write with your left hand, it is going to be a process, not an event. It is going to require you to switch out of the mode where you automatically grab the pen with your right hand and you direct your thoughts to deliberately grab this pen with your left hand. So then as you begin to think about a new possibility and your brain begins to fire in new sequences and new patterns and new combinations and you begin to plan your behaviors and you begin to review in your mind mentally rehearse who you're going to be in your life, the mere action of mental rehearsal begins to install the neurological circuits in your brain. Now your brain is no longer a record of the past. Now it's in fact a map to the future. And if you were then to begin to emotionally embrace your future before it's made manifest, in other words, you're not waiting for your healing to feel wholeness. You're not waiting for your new relationship to feel love. You're not waiting for the mystical moment to feel awe. You're not waiting for your success to feel empowered. That's the old model of reality of cause and effect. Everything we as human beings have created on this planet was essentially first created in our minds. All that you see, which is human work on this planet, first found expression in the mind, then it got manifested in the outside world. The wonderful things that we have done on this planet and the horrible things that we have done on this planet, both have come from the human mind. So if we are concerned as to what we create in this world, it's extremely important that first of all, we learn to create the right things in our mind, how we keep our minds. If we do not have the power to keep our minds the way we want it, what we create in the world is also going to be very accidental and haphazard. So learning to create our minds the way we want is the basis of creating the world the way we want.
But it's about training the mind too, right? The mind needs to adjust and the mind is like a muscle. It needs to reshape itself to be able to take on a new way of thinking and a new way of behaving and, you know, progressively hold that new shape. And that only comes through repetition and patience and slow, hard work of doing the same thing over and over again. If you change the picture in your mind, you change the chemistry, you change the fate. So I'll give an example. If I have a picture of love in my mind, the brain releases complementary chemistry, dopamine, pleasure, oxytocin, bond with your loved one, growth hormone, which does exactly what it says. It enhances your growth. And that's why when people fall in love, the chemistry of the brain going into the blood, the culture medium, enhances vitality. People glow when they fall in love. People are healthy when they fall in love. I said, it's not an accident. It's the chemistry of your culture medium. But now I say, but wait, what if I have a picture of fear? I go, oh, well, love chemistry doesn't come out when fear is in the picture. The brain releases stress hormones and factors that affect the immune system and growth of the system. And I go, oh, my goodness. I say, why is it relevant? Changing my thought changes my chemistry. The chemistry adjusts my biology. So if I can control my thoughts, I can control the chemistry and therefore I control the biology. But if you want to get better results, you're going to have to shift from sinking to building. You're going to have to shift from worrying to saying, you know what, I got this. That's what mindset is all about. Mindset is about having confidence in yourself. Mindset is about saying, I don't care what comes up. I don't care what obstacles come my way. I have this under control. Why? Because if I think it, I can imagine it, I can envision it, and then I can help this thing come to pass. Oh, I hope I'm helping y'all today. These are the things that you've got to focus on. At the end of the day, mindset matters. Alfred Adler saw ambition as the quintessential attempt to overcome our insecurities. The more competitive people are, he argued, the more insecure they are underneath, such that displays of superiority can be interpreted as compensatory mechanisms for an underlying inferiority complex. Thus, low confidence is a problem only if you don't care enough about it to attempt to gain competence. One thing I can see that high achievers have in common is that they self-medicate their insecurities with success. Although we are repeatedly told that Exceptional achievers owe their success to their high confidence or self-belief. It is more feasible to attribute it to their insecurity. Why else would anybody work so hard and continue to work hard even after accomplishing much more than most people? In that sense, one could argue that the only difference between successful and unsuccessful people is that the former care much more about their insecurities, so they are driven to work hard to overcome them. And the key point is that they work not on their insecurities, but on achieving big things. Success is the best medicine. People sometimes think I'm confident, but only because I fake it. Deep inside, I am certain of nothing and believe only in working hard for what I want. I hardly ever feel overconfident, but focus on my insecurities to push me to work harder instead of putting the energy toward improving my confidence. Although I have done 
reasonably well in my career, I would be devastated if I felt I had already reached my biggest accomplishments. The thought of complacency scares me. Thus, insecurities lead to ambition, which eclipses low confidence by focusing your attention on your goals rather than yourself, leading to higher levels of achievement, which in turn can give you realistic confidence. Conversely, the security and confidence that may result from having things too easy or being overly pleased with yourself are likely to hinder ambition and threaten potential improvements. When we tell people that they can achieve anything they want so long as they have high confidence, their motivation to work hard decreases. When we tell people that everybody is equally capable of achieving anything, we create in them high expectations and a false sense of entitlement, which reduces their willpower. In every domain of competence, education, careers, sports, relationships, and health. Some people are naturally better endowed than others in that they are pretty much born with an advantage over their peers. For example, being born to a wealthier family will give you access to better health and education. Being naturally more physically attractive will make you a more desirable romantic partner. And a better genetic makeup will make you healthier and increase the probability of living longer. All these inborn characteristics are comparable to height in that you cannot do much to alter them. If you think about confidence as height, and performance is jumping high, it should help you understand and remember one of the key lessons. Even if you cannot alter your height, you can always learn to jump higher. And being born short should make you work extra hard to achieve your goals. And here's the beauty of it. Once you do, you will feel better about your height too. To stay with a sports metaphor, if you want to run like Usain Bolt, the fastest man on earth, you better start training now, train all the time, and stop doing anything else. It will also help if you avoid thinking that you have the same natural talent for running as Bolt does, even in the unlikely event that you do, because if you believe you do, you will be unaware of your limitations and likely train less. Most of us are average at what we do. Being aware of this is especially useful if you want to be better than average. When you struggle, you need to be realistic about it in order to improve and being fully aware of your problems is the biggest incentive to work hard to bring about positive change. The contestants on The Biggest Loser are usually people who have been severely overweight since childhood. What is most interesting from a psychological perspective is that these people start with extremely low levels of self-esteem, as one would expect given their situation. Yet, season after season, they are willing to expose themselves intimately to millions of TV viewers in an attempt to achieve something that is extremely difficult and totally outside their confidence zone. This is a wonderful example of how willpower, especially the desire to improve, trumps the inhibitory effects of low confidence. If you really want something, you will work hard to attain it. If what you want is to recover your confidence, then you should focus on improving your performance. Work hard on your accomplishments and your confidence will take care of itself. There's great power in self-reliance. Self-reliance means you simply look mostly to yourself. It would be nice if someone just gave you this. It would be nice if everyone did their job exactly as they're supposed to do it. But here's what you've got to do. 
Primarily rely on yourself. Primarily say, I'm the person responsible and I will learn the necessary skills so that I can help people learn their skills. If I need lots of people to do certain things to build my organization, that is what I must have. But I've got to be the final backstop. I've got to be the final one that people can rely on so that if this is missed and this is missed, I can catch up. I can fill the gap. I can do the job. We have to do it when we conduct meetings. We have to do it when we conduct training. We have to do it when we're in a class of just a few, what someone might have missed. We're there to fill in self-reliance. Primarily, we're learning to count on yourself so that you can do this. Never complain and never explain. Here's the next key power, and that's image. There's many parts to image the image that others see you as the image you have with other people. And that's very important, how other people see you. If they don't see you as a leader, chances are they won't pay attention. If they don't see you as being in control, chances are they won't have the trust. If they don't see you as knowing where you're going, what you want to accomplish, they probably won't follow. But if people can see you, if you have the image of someone that's in charge, in control, in control of your life, your future, your destiny, in control of the situation, if they see that, that kind of image is powerful. It helps to win the day. It attracts other people. People want to be around people that are in control, that are powerful, but they know how to use their power influential, but they know how to use their influence. That kind of image is important. But here's a very important image, and that is your image of yourself, the way you dress, the way you talk, the way you think, your capacity for learning. All of that is an important image that you have of yourself. The image that you have, that if it needs to be learned, you could learn it. If there's a book that needs to be mastered, you could master it. If there's a skill that needs to be learned, why couldn't you get busy now and learn that skill? That kind of self-image that I am continually trying my best to be the best I can because one of the most important places you have to look is into the future. Yes, you've got to look into the path. Yes, you've got to look around. But one of the most important places you have to look is in the mirror. 